Thank you for everyone uh, for joining, and especially thank you for Wade for joining our show today. Today is our 19th episode, and the show is called Fintech Cafe. Uh, my name is Ambika. I'm a product manager for a big bank, and I used to be um, within Fintech as well. So with that, I'll pass it to Monisha. Thanks, Ambika. Welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm uh, Monisha Chakrapani, uh, co-host uh, with Ambika on this show. I uh, work in the financial services space, and I focus on business strategy. And what that essentially means is I'm probably the least technical person on stage today and probably uh, quite low on the spectrum uh, in this room as well. Um, and Wade, welcome. We are very excited. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on, so really appreciate you taking time out of your day. would love to, um, not that you need introductions, but uh, we'd love to hear about yourself uh, if you can share and start there. Sure, absolutely. So thank you both for having me on. I really appreciate it. I, I think I'm pretty early on to make the cut for this show. So thank you for extending the offer. Um, rising star. <laughs> rising star. Yeah. So um, I'm Wade. I love fintech since it was called financial services and maybe it will just be called technology someday. And my background is uh, 2008 started a company, Bano, which was a digital and mobile banking platform that was acquired by Jack Henry in 2014. I got to work on everything consumer facing at Jack Henry for, for about three years and then left and joined up with a buddy of mine, Dan Holt, to help start and build a company called Billgo, which is a modern bill pay company. And along the way, uh, in 2017, started doing a bunch of open source financial services primitives on GitHub on my Wade Arnold GitHub account. And uh, last June, left Bilgo and started uh, working full time at Move. So kind of transitioning from that as a open source passion project into a, a full time career and, and company. Great, thank you. And along those lines, Wade, you've got you've kind of worn the developer tech hat, and then you've also worn the CEO hat. Which side do you lean, or do you have a preference, or is it the time of the day? Oh no, I definitely. Um, my profession is a CEO or a founder and I vicariously through amazing people I convinced to come work for me. I love to be a developer and, uh, and maybe developer in the terms of, I just love building things, you know, the product, uh, um, marketing, the software, like everything about it. I, I vicariously act like I know what I'm doing, but, but hire people that are way smarter than me. I'm sure um, that's a humble opinion of yourself, but um, good to hear. Um, and then in terms of uh, Move, uh, let's go back to when it started, 2017. Uh, could you do a little dive into how that all came about um, to today? Absolutely. So, so Move started as a passion project. And between um, Bano and Jack Henry and Bilgo, I think I've, I've interacted in some way or some fashion with 42 different core systems. Um, so, you know, every flavor from FIS, Pfizer, Jack Henry, Hogan, and a couple proprietary ones that big banks use. And, and I think those product offerings work really well for branch banking and kind of the usage patterns of, of branch banking, but they don't really work well for what, what I would call fintech and, and fintech is just different. So, the premise of fintech is kind of the decoupling of some of these things and 
and doing them at scale with extra features. And most of the providers really weren't built to do them at scale. So, you know, you think of a, a community bank maybe does, you know, 40,000 ACHs a day, compare that to a FinTech that maybe is doing 4 million ACHs a day. So that, that low level primitive, um, even if you wanted to connect to the kind of the legacy system, um, it may not work for you. And so Move was really started with this idea of, hey, why don't we open source these things that are, they're, they're critical infrastructure, but they're not critical differentiators to anybody. You know, whether or not you can send a properly formatted file to the Federal Reserve doesn't, is, isn't your differentiator on your homepage. And so we, we uh, I started building a lot of these, really embraced the cloud native foundation. So things like uh, dockerizing these, putting REST uh, interfaces and, and uh, allowing them to run on, on cloud native infrastructure like Kubernetes. And it turns out there's a lot more people than I would have ever imagined that actually want these low level primitives. And um, that's kind of how it started. And, and it really, uh, at some point it became, you know, our open source libraries were easier to start using those and they're more hardened and better test cases and better documentation than, than anything that else that was out there. And so in, it's pretty wild in three years, we went from nothing to probably the reference architecture for, for most things fintech. So wait, you started as an open source project. How did you, could you talk to us about the timeline of how you went from an open source, so open source project, excuse me, to a thriving community and now a company? Yeah, that's, um, there's a lot of goodwill from a lot of amazing people along that journey, but, but it really was a pet project until January, February of, of 2020. And the community was starting to double. Um, and the, you know, this is like the Inc 500 stats. So you, you can say, uh, you know, two X when you go from 20 to 40 people, but um, the, the community was just growing and it really, uh, really was fueled by a couple fraud providers started contributing back. Um, Bank of America ran seven years of transactions through the library for, for some of their machine learning and, and fraud analytics. PayPal contributed back a lot of their international transfer um, uh, functionality, which they did that because they, they en ended up starting using the library. So um, the, the team at Square Capital started contributing a lot. And so it, I, it really was organic in the sense that it, it hit some tipping point. And I, I can't say what that was other than it was easier to use move at some point than it was to start from scratch and download the PDF from, from, you know, any of the uh, financial services protocols. And it was at that point that by March, I actually, uh, texted Matt Harris from Bain Capital. And I was like, Hey, you got to check this thing out. This is pretty wild. And uh, a month later, we did a seed round together. So, so that's kind of the impetus for, for what happened and what, you know, how do we monetize it? How does it transfer? We kept on getting the same questions over and over again. Like, Hey, this is great that you have this, you know, ISO 20022 for, for, the clearinghouses RTP network. That's great. But you know, what banks will sponsor me or, 
you know, what, what is this BSA AML thing that my bank sponsor keeps asking me about? Or, um, what are the, what is a capital reserve? That sounds complex when, when these developers really just wanted to move money. And so, you know, the formation of the company was keep these low level primitives open source for, for the people that we probably were never going to sell anything to anyways. They were either going to write it themselves or, or harden our library that we use in production. And, and then for the rest of the world that, you know, really wants one or two lines of JavaScript in order to collect data, onboard customers, you know, accept store and disperse money, you know, we'll focus on them uh, to surround those additional products and services around the open source packages. Got it. Lovely. And then you also have a huge like community component to this. You have a Slack channel. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah. So our Slack channel, slack.move.io is uh, about 2300 ish people. Uh, that are, you know, probably more quality than quantity. And so you have, you know, incredible people, um, lots of product owners, lots of senior uh, engineers, you know, technical founders are, are chatting in there. Um, you know, one of the stories I used in, in our seed round is somebody was, you know, making fun of Plaid and William Hockey, you know, commented, you know, let me, let me know how I can help you inside of our Slack channel. And, and that was just kind of, that's kind of the uh, ethos of what we're trying to do with both our community and the Slack channel, which is obviously a virtual community. And then FinTech DevCon, which is a, you know, in-person event coming up in a couple of weeks is really, you know, rising tides lift all boats, kind of the, the um, um, idea of giving first to, to others and, and, and being able to help each other out. And I came from financial services when all of this was a black box and, you know, it's just too hard and nobody can explain it to you. And so we're trying to really do the opposite and, and make it approachable by everybody and, and sharing knowledge freely. Right. So that resonates with us. That's what we do, right? Sharing knowledge freely. So, yeah. um, but we're not a company. This is just a side extracurricular fun activity. So you are a company now and I wanted to understand, could you talk more about the revenue model? Because when I think of open source, I think of like Linux Foundation, for example. Um, so how do you make money? Yeah, absolutely. So we think of companies like Elastic or Confluent as probably better comps. And and all of those companies, you know, both of our both of them are now public publicly traded companies. Um you know, massive market caps, but in every case, the, the core technology of what they provide is, is open source. And so, you know, there are payment companies that are publicly traded that use our open source technology and, and, um, and we're, you know, we're great with that because they're also some of the most active contributors back to our technology when they find edge cases. And, you know, in payments, if you have an edge case in a NACHA file, payroll doesn't go through that Friday. So, so finding all of those edge cases and really hardening the technologies is super important. And, and that's what we think about for the community. So, yes, we're giving away a lot, but, but other people are finding edge cases that we would find in production if it was a closed source project. And then from a monetization standpoint, you know, we're... Um, applied in, in every state to become a money service business. Um, we handle all the KYC, KYB, you know, instant onboarding. We have our own wallets. 
Uh, we do ACH, wire, RTP, and, and soon other payment modalities. And we make it dead simple for developers to move money. And um, we think that, you know, the, what I would consider like automated treasury or, or uh, would, would typically that it be the competition to move um, treasury services, you know, those are great if you're a commercial customer of the bank, but if you're a vertical SaaS company and you have, a, you know, 10,000 dental offices that all have their own bank account with it, and you want to accept payments and pay independent contractors and pay vendors and do that in an automated way in your software platform, there really isn't like a solution other than move out there outside of, you know, duct taping and super gluing a, a handful of vendors together. Wait, just a follow up on that. You mentioned some of those use cases. Could you elaborate a little more? It sounds like primarily in the payments ecosystem, is that fair to characterize um, the industry vertical specifically that you work in and how, um, how does that uh, play out with your customers? Yeah, you know, so every, every single uh, entity that we onboard, whether that's a business or an individual, Move takes care of all of the risk management, AML, BSA underwriting for, for bringing that, that entity into our system. And then they can link any type of payment source to either get paid or, or pay uh, for that account. And so... Um, again, we're, we're a money movement platform. You know, our value creation is we do that super well and we, we, we do it at every single, you know, cutoff time that we can, but then we partner with companies that, that are vertical SaaS companies. So they may, um, you know, like a, a company that we work with zippy pay has over 5,000, um, real estate brokerage offices that utilize their software and they didn't do payments inside of there. And now rather than you know, getting a account aggregation to figure out if, if something worked for their accounting software, they actually wire the money to a one-time virtual account at Move, and then we instantly disperse that money to the 28 people that need to be paid on a closing of a sale of a home. And then we delete that account, and that account number and routing number is gone, but our general ledger keeps track of everything. And so those type of more complex flow of funds um, of you know, accepting money in, storing it someplace, sending it out a lot of places uh, is, is where, where we do really well. And, you know, the external kind of competition for this has always just been, you know, they, they maybe do reconciliation through downloading a CSV from their bank or, or a QuickBooks export, or, or maybe they're using an account aggregation provider to do this. But, but money movement usually isn't in uh, a lot of these platforms, it's just something that's done outside of them. Got it. So I, I'm capturing three use cases. One, pay out money to facilitate account to account transfers and three, collect payments. So any, anything around money movement, you know, KYC is quite pivotal and you've hit on that. Could you double click on this? Like in terms of how do you, how do you do identity, ver identity verification and KYC protocol? Yeah. So you know, we want to do that instantly. And we, we partnered with some great companies like Middesk and Secure and others in order to make that really seamless and automated. And then um, we've got an incredible director of risk, Niche, who came from WePay that, that really has laid out kind of all our risk and policies along, 
along the lines for how much funds availability and instant availability of funds that, that we want to provide on a customer by customer basis. But, you know, you can get up and move money inside of 10 minutes. That's kind of our, our brand promise to make that super fast so that you can get to that moment of delight quickly. Um, and, and I think our, our use case, we probably in our industry don't have a good term for, for why you would need move. Um, maybe a little bit back to the founder's story. I was a fintech mentor at Techstars in, in Boulder in New York. And you get to see, you know, 300 startups every quarter. And each one of them was like, you know, the Airbnb of X, the Uber of Y, the DoorDash of Z. And all of them had these creative ideas. None of them wanted to be money service businesses. None of them wanted to figure this out. They just wanted to move money from one actor to another and facilitate that through their platform. And most of them would end with like slide eight that was like, and I know a guy at a local credit union that can make this happen. And you're thinking, there's no way that's ever going to happen, that they're going to allow, allow you to move money for two anonymous people and, and just slide it through the, through the credit union. And so that, that was really the impetus for Move was, hey, maybe we're done or, or um, like the thought of e-commerce replacing brick, brick and mortar. That was like the last 15, 20 years of the Internet. And now what we're seeing is these platforms where we're connecting, you know, the actual creators of good, whether that's a YouTube influencer to a musician to, you know, somebody who's building uh, necklaces to the actual customer. And I, I think that's the next generation of, of commerce, which is a lot different than, you know, I have a brick and mortar mindset online. You know, I'm the warehouse, I'm the Amazon, and you check out through me. Um, the, the next kind of level is how do, how do I connect both sides of those, those parties? And so I'm super excited about that marketplace in the next 15 years and Obviously, there's a lot of people in, in crypto and, and, and other spaces that think they can be the, the money transmitter for that. You know, we believe people still like the U.S. dollar a lot. So, so we're focused on kind of some of these legacy rails at this time in order to make that money movement easier for them. And maybe room to grow there. <laughs> um, and, and so in terms of then, um, you mentioned competitively, there's no single player doing exactly what you're doing uh, how how have these companies actually managed to undertake some of those money movement requests i mean you mentioned a credit union i mean is that really what the current alternative is um or how how has this opportunity been overlooked yeah so there you know the the typical solution is most of our customers say oh man i wish i knew you four years ago when we you know, went out and hired 20 people and we built our own, you know, uh, secondary ledger because maybe we're using um, a big provider for merchant acquiring. And then we wrote our own ledger and we use an FBO account at a bank or we use a ledger at a bank. And then we wire money over to, you know, somebody else that can load it onto a virtual card. So, so maybe it goes from, you know, TSIS to Fiserv to first data and, and there are different onboarding processes. There are different, um, you know, risk processes. Uh, 
you know, the money that came in doesn't get there for five days, even though they need to have the money go out, um, you know, 20 minutes later. So, so now they're actually pre-funding the disbursement. The reconciliation is just a nightmare. And, and this actually works super well. Um, you know, if you're, if you, if, if your market cap is Uber and you can throw a thousand people at the problem, it, it doesn't work super well if, you know, you're a series B company or, or below, and you're trying to, to build all this infrastructure yourself, which is, is kind of critical to what you do. Um, and, and so that's really what we run into. It's, it's not that we're not, you know, indirectly a, a competitor of some of those companies. They just, you know, do one piece of the silo super well, way more features than we have. Uh, we just have that more complex flow of funds, making it super, super easy for people to do that. And the current trends around instant gratification and faster um, just continues to increase in terms of expectations. So probably. Um, that yeah. Is, and, if, you know, if you've ever used an Uber or a DoorDash or an Airbnb, you, you kind of can't unsee that experience to your point of instant gratification. You know, if you had to send your money into Airbnb a week before you got to stay there and the people didn't get paid until two weeks after you left, I don't know that Airbnb has a business model. So, so they've had to raise a lot of capital and do a lot of unique things in order to use what I would consider, you know, industry silos, acceptance, storage, and disbursement, uh, and make that work. And, and if you can raise money, like, the companies we've mentioned, you can make it work. Um, we just think there's a much longer tail uh, of companies that want to mimic those business models for, for other industries. I mean, we literally have a company that's the pet daycare as a service. So they, you know, upload your vaccinations and schedule, you know, your doggy washing and, and video cameras. Like they run the whole thing for, for all these pet daycares as a back office tool. And they don't, they don't do uh, money movement. And so with move, they can. Yeah, definitely mind blowing um, because I know the alternative is uh, getting in line at a bank potentially, right? And getting some of these uh, enabled. Right. And, and if you go to a bank and you say, hey, I've got, you know, 10,000 dental offices that need to store money or accept card or issue card, the bank says, sweet. You know, we'll have a branch manager call all 10,000 of them. You know, they all come to my bank. We can provide that for them. And that's true. It's totally true. Unfortunately, you know, that, that that's never going to happen. So um, there needs to be kind of that abstraction that I think MOVE can provide so that you still get money movement. And some portion of that goes back to each one of those 10,000 individual banks, of course. But, but most of it can flow through MOVE. Great. Um, and kind of shifting gear and looking at the future, uh, you talked about briefly the next 15 years and how things are going to change. Um, and then with your round of funding late last year, uh, how are you thinking about what's next in MOVE's uh, pipeline? Yeah, so for us, uh, you know, merchant acquiring is, is the big next step. So we've, we've connected to Fedline, um, connected to the clearinghouse. And so, you know, some people like to 
pay via debit and credit card. So we're, we're adding that in. We should launch that before the end of this, this year. Uh, we think things like Visa Direct with, with FX transfers for push to debit is really interesting for a lot of our use cases. I'm sure we'll, we'll attack that early next year. And then we have all these wallets that have account and routing numbers. Um, people have a hard time not asking for a card on top of them. So um, I think we'll, we'll do some partnerships initially and, and maybe if we can figure out if we can make our own snowflake a little bit better than somebody else in some way, then we'll build that out as well. So with talking about the future, I also wanted to ask you more around your vision. So um, let's say if Move were to be wildly successful, what will the world look like? So not from a perspective of like revenue or customer acquisition, but what will Move have empowered developers to do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm passionate about just the creative economy. I, I own a brewery, I own a bike company, um, and they're really unique communities. So the, the people that are passionate inside of those communities um, truly care about the people making the beer, making the bike. And, and yeah, there's a long tail of how you actually make money, but um, kind of the nucleus is, uh, you know, people want to be at the launch day of, of the new beer. You know, the, the new Saison's coming out. We literally have people out the door in, in Summit County, Colorado. You know, the new bikes coming out, uh, we have pre-orders for that. And, and most of the world has been set up where, you know, you need a distribution channel, whether that's, you know, um, uh, in, in alcohol sales, right? Like there's a middleman every single time in bike sales. There's the people who actually get it into all the bike shops around, around the country. And so I saw those two pieces and I just said, why can't, you know, the people that are passionate about these brands have commerce with one another, and then you still get kind of the long tail. And you see that unfold a little bit on Etsy and, and, and other sites where you truly are getting the creator connected uh, to their audience. And so for Move, I think if we can enable commerce where the actual builder, the manufacturer, the, the creator of the good can connect directly with their audience, you know, we've created an incredible platform for the future. And, and I think commerce will actually flourish and those creators will, will make more money uh, by doing it and being connected to their audience. Got it. And talking of that, you have a big fintech developer conference coming up, right? Could you tell us a little bit more about that and why anyone in the audience should come? Yeah, so we, we started, um, it's called Fintech DevCon fintechdevcon.io. And the premise was that I would go to technology conferences, you know, things like Google IO, um, Java One, you know, GopherCon. And you would get to hear talks from people that built incredible things. And you realize that they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you. And they weren't up on stage shilling their company. They were up on stage sharing how they overcame something really, really hard. And so FinTech DevCon is just that. Every single speaker volunteered and donated their time. And the speaker list is absolutely phenomenal. Not a, they're not allowed to pitch their company or, or their technology. So, so you have 
you know, this vast range of individuals from startups to, to large corporations, you know, I mean, Visa to, to a person that, that just did a seed round. And each one of them is just sharing how they've done something unique. Um, you know, a great one is like Tom Adams, who, who's an engineer at Cash App. He's just going, he's given a talk on how they grew Cash App by 40% in two weeks. And, um, you know, that's pretty incredible, like as the tagline, but, but his talk was like how I didn't go home for two weeks, AKA how we grew by 40% in two weeks. And that's, that's an incredibly uh, humble and transparent conference. And I hope the people that come to, to this conference are going to leave inspired to go back to their companies and, and build something amazing. And hopefully they, they got to meet some new friends and, and colleagues along the way. Great. Thank you. And with that, uh, that comes to the end of our moderated session. So we'll open up the floor to the audience. So if you like to ask questions, you can come up on stage now. Um, again, for those who are new, there's an icon, a hand icon on the bottom right. If you raise that, we'll bring you up on stage. Or you can message us on the back channel as well. Okay, but in the meantime, um, I'll ask while another question comes up, and that is about the company culture. Um, you meant so I don't know if you mentioned this actually, uh, but I would like to highlight that you are fully distributed. You have employees over sixteen states in three countries. Could you talk to us about your decision to be fully remote, and how does that impact the way you build your product, the talent you attract, and the company culture you curate? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I, I think that came from doing two companies before that had offices, had physical offices. And so we, when we started Move, we were committed to being fully distributed. And the reason for that is twofold. You know, first and foremost, um, we wanted to make sure we got the best talent wherever they are at. And, you know, we, we, we don't pay any different based on location. And there's... You know, there's just a lot of people that are really awesome and they, you know, have families and are softball coaches and, and they may not want to work, you know, live in Denver, Colorado. Um, that's really naive of us to not want to hire, um, you know, that person onto our team. And so, so that was kind of value number one. And value number two was just seeing physical offices um, grow kind of their own subcultures in, in the last two companies I was part of. So they, you know, they didn't document things because, Hey, we went to Poncheros and talked about that. And then we made a decision and we, oh, we, we failed to mention to anybody that a, a decision was made. And so, you know, someday maybe we'll have some sort of office. I'm sure it will be more, you know, marketing and, and customer and, and frankly, auditor focused, but, but we want to keep this wide open in order to um, find the best people in the world. And, and we really have been able to do that. And, and, you know, we'll pay them the same amount if they're in Denver, Colorado, or if they're in Poland. Awesome. Thank you. So Alok, hi, would you like to introduce yourself and ask your question? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Because this is Alok, uh, Jariwala Yarvade and uh, all the folks on the call. I work at a startup called uh, Upgrade. We are into lending and uh, uh, checking account business. So my question here uh, is, if I understand you correctly, you your target customers are more 
of uh, of of financial companies who are into payroll management of that sort and uh, how are you different than than uh, dwala or there is an overlap there yeah um i don't know why i've got like a thousand i messages coming through right now so i apologize i'm trying to stop it and answer your okay. question um you should bring them on stage wade if <laughs> yeah um i don't know how to stop that um anyways hopefully that doesn't continue so so you know first and foremost you know we connect directly uh, to the Atlanta Fed and, and the San Francisco Fed. So there, there's no bank sponsor in between us. Um, we have our own legal licensing. And mm -hmm. um, so, so it's, I think a lot different. I mean, the, you know, uh, frankly, any company, right. There's, there's ACH providers since there was punch cards uh, out there. So, so there's overlap obviously in, in all kinds of, all kinds of companies. Um, you know, we're really focused on our onboarding, our wallet services, the fact that we have account numbers and routing numbers on them, and then any payment payment modality that that uh, our customers want. Um, so, I see. No, I'm. I'm maybe maybe uh, I don't the, understand your yeah. your question, but yeah, I was trying to ask from the difference between uh, a consumer focused financial institute, like say, for example, Upgrade who are into uh, issuing checking accounts uh, to customers, right? There is an ACH component or transfer component to it. Uh, but if I want to understand whether Move is a, a company that we can leverage for moving the money from um, my upgrade account to Bank of America upgrade account, or, or Move is ma majority helping financial companies like who are issuing small business accounts who have payrolls on their uh, on their program and now to disperse payrolls into different bank accounts across the nation that's where the move usp comes in picture so yeah. i'm trying to understand sorry yep i get your question now no so so i think what's unique about you know our platform whether you're a government entity a business entity or an individual you know, we can accept, store, and disperse money to you, from you, um, and we can even do that. You know, we, we announced earlier this summer our partnership with MX, um, mm. our partnership with Plaid. So if you can link a Plaid account or an MX account, we can move money between those two accounts. And, and uh, but our value creation, like your value creation, is, is obviously built on top of the money movement and something unique and, and compelling that you're doing there. You know, we're trying to be the most boring company in fintech. So all the value creation is built, you know, from our partners on top of what we do. And, and ultimately, we just move the money. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Wade. Thanks, Alok. Hi, Deidre. Would you like to introduce yourself and ask your question? Yes, thank you. Um, hi, Wade. My name is Deirdre. I do user experience research at a big bank. So... I'm always thinking about the customer, uh, representing the customer. And so, of course, my question is customer focused. So when you are thinking about a new product or a new way of doing things, are you thinking about how 
companies um, can use your product? Or are you thinking about the end game of, oh, this would be good for people like my neighbor, my grandma, uh, my best friend to use? Yeah, so I think what's unique about Move is, I mean, we have maybe some of the best graphic designers and, and um, product designers in the industry. And, and that's probably from my DNA of, of growing up. My first real job was at Macromedia and mm -hmm. we put graphic designers next to software engineers. Um, but we really drive incredible user experiences. You know, it, that to me is... Um, there's no amount of coffee that we can, you know, you and I can go have together and dream up what the future will be. If you're not talking to customers, you, you're building the wrong thing is the only guarantee I got. Mm -hmm. And, and so we've learned a lot of unique things. Like we thought, um, you know, everybody wanted to use like move.js and, and, uh, our APIs, right. That that's the only way they're going to interact with move. And then, then really working with our clients, they came back and they said, hey, you know, this onboarding and transaction history and dispute management and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. We really just want to move money. We don't want to build out all of that. You know, can we just point them at, you know, dashboard.move.io and they do all that oh, stuff. Oh, okay. Now, now we can move money and you guys do the heavy lifting over here. And so we've gone through a ton of iterations um, because you hear somebody that says, oh, I hate PayPal. And then you give them a bunch of APIs and they're like, actually, PayPal is kind of nice. You know, they got this <laughs> app, they got QR codes, they got all this type of stuff. Um, maybe I don't hate them. I just hate this one piece uh, that that is frustrating for my individual business. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, our, our product team is is a third the size of our engineering team. We We've tried to hire some incredible talent and, and are always looking for more. Um, but for us, it's, it's about delighting not just our customer, but really delighting the end user of, which is in, a, in essence, our customer's customer. And mm -hmm. we really try and keep them in mind. Um, and then us as developers, you know, what we're building at Move, I wish I would have had it at Bano and at Bilgo because um, we spent a ton of time on this stuff. And not a ton of time on on making the next best uh, bill pay system or the next best digital banking experience. Mm -hmm. We we dealt with like you know a return file from an ACH. Like, well, that wasn't what we started the company from, <laughs> but it was the reason that a consumer got really pissed. So we had to figure out a great way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for the question. Okay, Guptan, hi, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself and ask your question? You'll have to unmute yourself. Or I think maybe I can do it. I got it. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Gupton. I, I work for a, uh, a large financial institution and, you know, as, a, as more of a front-end architect. And so my question kind of comes, you know, money movement is always the target for um, fraud and and obviously, you know, trying to people break it in. And in a lot of times I see a lot of, you know, the, the core, you know, you have to build a lot of that security where it comes on the mobile apps and, you know, when it comes to biometrics, how do you, I was just curious in the model with APIs, how do you ensure that your clients, and I, I don't know if you hit that scenario where they're, that they don't open a door into, into something that they're not supposed to. Uh, or, you know, that somehow, I mean, that seems always be a big challenge because, 
you know, banks are <laughs> primarily, I mean, one of the biggest features is security, right? And yeah. so I was just curious if you ran into those type of issues. So we actually have, this sounds ironic, but somewhat of the opposite issue. And so when we can get people to use our SDK and move.js and, and um, that comes along with a bunch of um, device management, you know, device registering, multi-factor, all the pieces that we learned in digital banking and, and uh, bill pay to stop fraud, we actually embed those in there. You know, where what we haven't done yet, but we get asked a lot because a, a lot of large financial institutions think they're good at that stuff is, hey, you know, we're going to tell you to make a payment and you just make the payment. And, you know, you can nobody can look at ACH files and figure out if they're fraudulent or not. You have to look at the biometrics and behavior of the actual end user's device to decide, um, uh, you know, to really fingerprint whether or not you should double check this transaction or, or, or give a call out. And so uh, we provide all of those features. We, you know, it, uh, we started with talking about, you know, open source projects. And, and to your, your point, um, anybody can generate an ACH file and if you, if you don't know how to do it, we've got free libraries on GitHub to do it. But but whether or not you want to send that $400,000 payment is a better question. And and so we provide those tools. We also allow our, our uh, end users to pass in a risk score. So if they have other risk analytics, you know, which is really important in things like desktop software, video games, where they maybe know additional uh, signals of behavioral change than we do. Okay, thanks. And and just kind of maybe a follow up. So what do you do like and and same with, you know, certain things like um uh sanctions or something like, you know, the OFAC scans or um those do you have does that have you automated that? I mean, that's interesting that you I think you mentioned how much automation is it is it almost fully automated uh those type of checks or does that go back to the client? Yeah, 99% of our onboarding is fully automated and can be done in you know, minutes, um, and and you get your result, and you get your risk score, and you get all of that back right away. Um, when it comes to sanction searches and OFAC checks and things like that, we actually have an open source project that that a lot of um, a lot more companies than I would have imagined are using, uh, and and frequently they use that in combination with maybe a another check against LexisNexis or you know some of the other. Pro providers that you would know of. Okay, right. thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, Guptan. Hi, Shuman. Hi, Mika. Um, Hi. This is Suman uh, Devrosity from uh, US Bank Open Banking team. Uh, when we talk about these money moment platforms, right, uh, they're mainly built on, like, you know, all these core systems, like, you know, which are like a legacy systems. Uh, that involve a lot of legacy business rules, uh, risk and compliance, and all of that. So when you started like uh, building these, uh, you know, open source libraries and on a cloud native architecture, how did you overcome all of that? Um, sorry, you broke up your very last questions. When I started this, is open source technologies and cloud native, and then your question was, how did you embedded uh, all these business rules and the risk and compliance into your open source libraries. Yeah. So, I mean, risk and compliance, right? Um, let me just take AML risk as an example. And, and 
And for us, that's really uh, to the you know very first question, which was how do you monetize this? And so we don't open source our AML and BSA policies. We don't open source kind of our risk engine and our fraud engine on top of this, um, mostly because if you read it, you, you probably could know a lot more about our, our risk and fraud uh, um, policies, right? And, and so that to me really is kind of the difference between the open source and the, and the paid, paid, uh, paid solution is, is those things that we've internalized. Um, I think it's 2021, so we've been able to use some new technologies so we can do almost all of that in real time unless it drops to you know, needing a manager review for the payment to go out. Okay, got it. And one last question. Uh, do you have any plans to uh, include stable coins uh, into your payment rails? Yeah, so um, we actually, I think, are, are really passionate about like the Lightning Network on Ethereum and Bitcoin. Um, I think sadly the state of crypto is buy and hold and, and banks are saying they're getting into crypto and they, they actually are getting to crypto as a, as a investment rather than as a money movement platform. Um, a lot of the partners that we're working with, which are, are large fintech companies, um, and, and also tech companies want to do instant settlement on the lightning network. So if we wanted to transfer funds between us and, and, and a major cloud provider, we see lightning network as an incredible way of, of pulling that out backed by, uh, backed by a stable coin. I think the, the price fluctuation of, of some of these more speculative coins, Bitcoin as an example, make it really hard to, to, to really be a, a, a good tool for money movement at this time. Yeah, and uh, I think Visa also, like, you know, they initially said no to crypto, but they eventually started, you know, offering open APS for crypto trading. So, yeah, so we see a huge demand in uh, international remittance over things like Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. Um, so definitely a, an opportunity there, especially if you're sending money to, to a country that their currency is less stable than 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 uh, you know, whichever cryptocurrency. Um, but domestically, we, we really believe Lightning Network and, and doing that on top of Ethereum or Bitcoin as, as the actual uh, coin is a great way for interday settlement rather than doing net settlement over ACH in a file on a daily basis. Um, you know, might as well do it real time if you can. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Suman. So there is one question or actually two questions from, that came from the back channel. So they were texted to us. Okay. Uh, first, You're on the iMessages too, huh? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, if people are in the Eastern time zone, it's like a bit late for them. So they just text me um, to ask questions and I just list their name. So that's usually how we do it. So this question is from James. He's in the audience. And his first question is, he's a developer uh, for a blockchain fintech company. And he's asking... From your perspective, uh, in terms of open banking, how do you view banks and how can big institutions be convinced to partake in the open source, open source, um, I guess, culture? Yeah, man, that is, that's a loaded question. Um, you know, I, I think banks are very good at, at price setting, um, you know, deposit rates and loan rates and, and underwriting risk when it comes to 
to lending. And they do that incredibly well. Um, most of us, when we interact with a bank, those aren't the things we think about. We, we think about our debit card. We think about, um, you know, why do I have to walk into a branch to get a wire approved? You know, like those are our actual user interactions with the bank. And so I, I think if banks could do better, you know, around those, those touch points that aren't just, you know, underwriting the new hospital uh, that needs to be built. But actually when it comes to consumer and, and especially small business, you know, I, I believe Square and, and Intuit are probably, uh, have done the most incredible job of meeting small businesses where they need to be met. But, but that moment of need is, is really critical and, and banks could do better there. Um, how to get banks involved into open source. Um, I'm pretty smart, but I don't know that I'm that smart. And, and the, the interesting thing is that the banks that we're working with really are doing net new projects. Um, so maybe they're doing a, a, a digital de novo. Uh, maybe they have a, a, a consolidation project in house. They're, they currently have, you know, 27 ACH platforms because they were, they were point solutions rather than ACH platforms. So they've got things like MuleSoft or Kafka, and they're consolidating those services down to, to a single platform. Um, those are the areas that I think we, we work well with banks. We work well in the open source, you know, getting a bank to legally be able to contribute back to open source has been hard. So we get a lot of Gmail contributions from large banks, not, not, uh, contributions from at, you know, top 10 bank in America. Um, because you know, it's, it's so difficult to go get sign off in order to pull that off. Um, but you know, you, you said you were in a crypto startup, you know, I was highly involved in the Ethereum community and almost all of the first adopters to move ACH were all crypto based exchanges. So, um, companies, you know, uh, had to figure out how to get us dollars into that FBO account for the custodial crypto, uh, assets. And, and that, that was kind of what fostered it was figuring out, Hey, I actually know how to do all this, this U S currency stuff. Maybe we can, we can add that in. And there, there's actually real discussion at one point to merge move into Hyperledger, which is a long story that didn't work out for whatever reason. But, um, but I think the ethos are, are the same and that's, that's allowing people to, to be able to learn how to do this stuff and, and actually have access to it as well. Great. And then his second question is on open banking. And, and I read his question, how do you view President Biden's executive order on open banking, which was signed on July 9th, July 9th to spur competition? And how does this impact move? So for me, I'm thankful that that wasn't a technology mandate that I think uh, PSD2 will have a lot of negative ramifications because of a mandate that was really a a very low bar for those banks and a really horrible standard uh, for those banks to say, Hey, I've met this. I love the idea that we're saying, you know, consumer data is belongs to the consumer. And hopefully this continues throughout some of the big tech companies as well. Um, and, and I'd love it to also, um, you know, if I want to do a budging in app, I'd really like to have my utility bill data, my telco data, um, and, 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 and other data, uh, 
part of that that same same mandate. Uh, in regards to uh, the United States and open banking, uh, you know, let's call it what it is: screen scrapers suck. Uh, it's been a horrible user experience. It's it's a, a painful um, idea that some you know, my username, password, and challenge phrases are in clear text on somebody's server somewhere um, in order to get access to my bank account. So hopefully we see more reliable access to data, you know, whether that's uh, different applications from buy now, pay later, identity management, bank verification, all of those pieces are going to be so much better if, if, if they actually um, can happen in a, in a consistent and reliable way uh, you know, the amount of micro deposits that move still does is, is a little, little insane. So just to follow up on that, Wade, how do you see us? I mean, given that we've not really, uh, set the boundaries there, I think CFPB is in charge of it. How do you see a successful launch of open banking, um, that might, uh, that we might have in the U S what might be the key pillars of that? You know, I just hope, number one, it's stopped the fight that this is the bank's data, um, right? That's really been the fight that has been going on is that the bank has said, well, this is my data. And if I free it to an individual and it's lost, how am I going to be held accountable for that lost data when I don't know how, how it was aggregated out from me? So just acceptance from the financial institutions that this is now something that has to be a priority for them. Um, you know, maybe we see some of the standards um, like FDX become, hopefully that becomes a, a standard. I think it's a, a good working group. I think it's a, a good API that hopefully the, the banks can get behind and, and not each, you know, invent their own REST API that more or less does the exact same thing. Um, but hopefully we see, you know, inside of hopefully 24 months, that's probably too optimistic, um, reliable data access for consumers and small businesses, uh, which are, are the most underserved when it comes to get, getting access to their data. Awesome. Thank you. And I think we have Sean on the stage as well. He might be the last question from the audience. So Sean, take it away. Yeah, thank you. Uh, can't, never miss uh, one of these shows, even though I'm at the, the Blaine Bengal Stadium. Um, so, Wade, one question I had, this is, you know, I, I think your third startup, at least by, by my count. And I'm, I'm really wondering from a leadership perspective, how has your philosophy sort of evolved, you know, sort of, you know, from stop number one, two to, to now uh, number three? Yeah, well, I used to be really smart. Um, I don't think I am anymore. You know, I think the uh, maybe maybe in no specific order, but you know, first and foremost, the first startup I was also maybe the chief technology officer as well, and and maybe limelighted as the CEO, and and uh, but really was working deeply inside of the business specifically for the customers, and um, kind of migrate to where I am today much more hands-off, um, you know, I, I, I for sure in, in my, you know, early thirties was a micromanager. Um, if anything, I, I maybe I'm a, I'm a really bad manager now. Like I really care about, um, the people that I'm working with, but I'm not 
up in their stuff telling them what they need to do. I'm up in their stuff asking them how they're going to get their OKRs done and and how they go about doing that and who they hire and whether or not that team's on track. I don't really care as much as I used to. I really care that the outcomes are are achieved and when they're stuck that they, they come and, and ask me for that. Um, the other, you know, an, another area was just like, there's definitely hills I'm willing to die on now. And, and um, you know, somebody's texting me about, about a blog post I, I recently wrote. And that, that to me is like, you know, what values are you willing to, to die on and protect the company culture? And, and ultimately um, for me, that's, that's probably my biggest role is just, you know, how do you keep, how do you keep people, you've done all this work, you've been attracted incredible people, you raised a ton of money to, to get the best people and give them the stock options. How do you keep them motivated to, to actually do the job? And in a startup, you know, everyone's really qualified. Um, there's a lot of people that are working long hours and, and super diligent, but what are you doing as a leader to make sure that what they're doing, they know how it lines up to the objectives and, and that they're working in an organization that they truly care about the other people they're working with. They care about the mission and, uh, it, you know, you mess those things up there. There's no shortage of other jobs that they can go do. So much more focused on that. Uh, and last but not least, you know, I really feel like my job is to kick down doors now. So, uh, if I can kick down the door and, and get an opportunity, get into a partnership, get the fundraising done, um, you know, get on the, on the, um, uh, clubhouse tonight to, to share the vision and share the mission. The team's the one that's actually going to execute on it. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of the tip of the spear to go make sure that they actually have the opportunity. So the only risk for the organization is executional risk, not opportunity risk. That's awesome. That's a great, great set of, uh, principles to live by. Thank you. Yes, for sure. Thank you, Sean. And with that, we're coming to the end. So wait, if you want to uh, plug in the FinTech DevCon one more time, I think it's early September, right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, FinTech DevCon, uh, FinTechDevCon.io, incredible speakers. Um, all of them have volunteered your time. You know, most of them probably should be on this show. And, and I really think if you take the time to go, when you check out, just type in Wade and you get 20% off, it's two weeks away. So we can start kind of giving away tickets a little bit cheaper, but um, type in Wade, get 20% off. See you in Denver. It's going to be an incredible event. Our, our sponsors are amazing and our speakers are second to none. So please check it out. Right. Thank you. So last week we had Preeti on here. She's the head of product at Lithic and she's also going to be a speaker along with uh, Ryan Sandler from TrueWork, I think. That's yeah. right. And then the week before you had MX. MX is throwing yes. a 450 person party on on uh, on Wednesday night. So. Oh, but yeah. We have uh, Megan on the show. She's in the audience. So, yeah. We have, and then David was here earlier as well. So I think you guys are all friends at MX and, um, and Move, I believe. Got to, you know cool people building cool stuff like to hang out together. 
Yeah, and I want to close it out with a compliment. Um, so this person, he works with us, and he's a VP of innovation uh, at our bank. And he says that he's a huge fan. So I'm reading. He says he's a huge fan, super smart and simple concept built for developers and built on fintech infrastructure. Cannot go wrong. So congratulations. Whatever you're doing, you have people's attention. And hopefully uh, the big banks will follow suit. <laughs> well, we, we need banking partners. We're not a bank. So have them give me an email. So. Certainly, certainly. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for ha having me on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Wade. Likewise.